Welcome to E2 Talks. It's a podcast where we chat about the English language landscape, talking about topics relevant to students like you. In this podcast, E2 experts Alex and Melinda talk about their experience taking the IELTS, the computer-delivered version, and the paper-delivered version. In this candid chat, they talk about the pros and cons of both tests and share their strategies for success. Enjoy! Welcome to this podcast all about our experience with the IELTS test on the computer and also the paper delivered test. My name's Alex and I'm the head of IELTS here at e2language.com and joining me is Melinda. Melinda is our head of PTE. Hi, Melinda. Hi, how are you, Alex? Great, thank you. Now, Melinda has just done the paper-based test recently and I did the computer delivered test a couple of months ago now. And so we're basically going to compare our experiences and talk about each section of the test covering, I guess, the strategies that we used, the struggles that we faced, and also some of our suggestions. And for each part of the test, Melinda, if you're happy to, we'll also share our scores. Eek. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see as we get to each part. Uh, Melinda, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, I've been with E2 for about three years. And as you said, I'm, I'm head of um, PTE. Um, and basically, I've been teaching for 100 years for a very long time. So I've actually had a, a fair bit of um, experience teaching IELTS. And some time ago, I used to invigilate the um, IELTS test. And that that basically means that I was the person that stood in the room and said, stop talking, put your pen down, do this, do that. I was the bossy person at the front. <laughs> so I've had a fair, and I've been teaching it for quite a number of years. So I've had a fair bit of experience with IELTS, but this is the first time I've ever actually done it. Mm, me too. This was my first time doing the official test, but I've, I've done, I think, every practice test about 200 times while I've been yes. an IELTS teacher. <laughs> And I was Indeed. also an IELTS examiner in speaking and writing for a number of years. So I think between us, we've got the test completely covered. And we've also, <laughs> we also uh, write the content for the E2 materials as well. So I guess that covers our uh, preparation. Our preparation has been teaching for the test. Um, did you do any special preparation before you actually took it this time? No, no, I do remember though, I mentioned to you that I was going to do it and you asked me that question and I said, well, no, actually I haven't had time. And so you gave me one piece of advice. Yes. And your one piece of advice was about the task one writing and you told me to make sure I had an overview in there. So I did that. Ah, okay. Well, hopefully that's reflected in your score when we get to that section. <laughs> um, and I guess the reason that okay. we we should cover why we took the test Um Luckily, mm -hmm. we didn't need it for migration or anything like that, uh, but it was really just for research purposes. So I I had worked in centres, as you did, where they conducted the paper-based test, and I was curious to see how the computer-delivered test um, differed from that. So I wanted to see their yeah. interface for the whole test, which is not available yet online. The IDP doesn't really make that uh, available and also I was just curious, I had been to an open night at the centre and it looked like it was a really comfortable and nice environment. So I was, yeah, just curious, I suppose. Yeah. And part of being a teacher, I guess, is to really experience it from the candidate's point of view. 
And yeah, you? I think that's important. So my motivations were pretty much the same. One other motivation perhaps though was that students often ask me, um, should I do PTE or should I do IELTS? And my answer has always been from a theoretical point of view. So to actually do the test is, is quite interesting. It's given me a different perspective. Did it change your mind? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I have, do have insight, particularly to, into the um, uh, emotional roller coaster that I went through, and I imagine a lot of the candidates went through doing the uh, doing the test. Mm. I don't know if you want me to talk about that now. Or... Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. The actual day of the test, how you felt yes. in the morning, what you did, what was the vibe mm. in the test centre, and um, where. I'm not sure if we should mention where you took it, but it was somewhere in northern Australia. <laughs> it was in Queensland, yes. <laughs> I don't want to mention the exact centre. Okay. Um, yeah, I found that when I walked in in the morning, I, I wasn't sort of nervous. It wasn't a high stakes test for me, as you said, doing it out of sort of professional interest, really. Um, and so I was quite relaxed and I was just chatting to other candidates. And for them, um, it was high stakes. They were obviously a little bit nervous, so I sort of tried to... Um, you know, help them to relax a little bit by just casual chat. And, you know, I was in charge of the whole thing, you know, no no problem at all, in charge of my emotions. Um, and we I, we started off standing in a queue and it was a bit boring, but, hey, you know, okay, I guess you have to do that. And like, oh, I'm almost at the front of the queue, all good. I didn't know why I was in this queue. And then the next <laughs> thing that happens is I get to the front, go around the corner, and there's another queue. And, again, I didn't know what the queue was. And this happened about, I think it was five times I was in a queue and I didn't know why I was in this queue, what was happening next and how far away I was from the test. So by the time I actually got to my seat in the exam, exam room, I was sort of quite irritated and annoyed. I'd gone from, yeah, this is easy, I'm calm, I'm cool, to being quite irritated. Why am I standing around in, in queues? Why am I being herded around? Why am I being told to be quiet? I found it really frustrating and I was just too impatient. And so I was wondering, um, other students, how do they feel about this? Like the ones mm. I spoke to were sort of putting on a brave face and obviously didn't want to um, say, oh, I'm a nervous wreck. Mm. <laughs> but that's how some of them kind of felt. It was an emotional roller coaster, just all this queuing and not knowing what was going on. Do you think I that didn't was appreciate a. It at all. <laughs> sounds like a frustrating start to the day. Do you think it was a matter of not enough staff or just poor communication? Well, they had to get it. I think it was poor communication, but then it is difficult. There were 200 of us, and how do you communicate to 200 people without a loudspeaker and when there's people everywhere? And part of it was that you come into the building, you've got to find your way to the right place to find your way to the queue, and then you've got to put your bags, all your bits and bobs in a room, and so you've got to go through that process. And then we had to go up a, a lift to the fourth floor, and, this, and obviously 200 people don't fit in one lift, so you're doing it you know, a few of you at a time kind of thing. And then there's another queue for registration and another one. To, yeah, it's just, I was just really annoyed. I, maybe there could have been signs saying why I was queuing up and what for, I don't know. But, or maybe if I'd known. I was just expecting, yeah, find my seat, sit down, let's start the test. I'm ready. <laughs> it wasn't like that, though. That sounds very different to my experience. I think it was the total opposite of that. I, I should preface this by saying I don't work for IDP, but I think... They're going to come off looking, uh, or their test centre is going to come off looking a lot better than than your one. The test centre here in Melbourne, at least, I think there's a maximum of 24 candidates, and there was a really nice waiting room. There was um, uh, Jared was there. He said he thought he was going to a yoga class. There was pipe 
music coming out of the speakers and there was an aro- oh, good ar- aromatherapy uh, thing sort of puff- oh, popping, <laughs> popping scented air out and there was a little video playing telling us all about the test. The staff were super friendly. We did have to wait. That's that's still the case, but there were there were chairs and yeah, there was something to watch on the screen. People still had their phones with them, and eventually we were oh, wow. put into a waiting room, which was also uh, really comfortable. And then finally moved into the um, assessment room with the no speaking policy. But yeah, it was it was very low stress, and I think everybody there felt pretty calm. Interesting. Mm, so very different. Right. Okay. Yes, very different. The, what about um, when you had to go into the um, test room and there was no speaking? For me, that was another frustrating thing because that came after all of this standing and waiting. I don't know why or what's happening. Um, then we went into the exam room and we had to sit. It was exam conditions. We had to sit in silence. and But the test didn't start for another 25, 30 minutes. And there were people who'd been in the room before me. So they were sitting there in silence for 40 minutes. And the people, the invigilators, the people at the front were saying, no speaking, sit down, be quiet. I said, no speaking. What are you doing with that? You shouldn't have that bottle. I was like, I felt like I was in kindergarten or something. We were just all being told off all the time. Yeah, I remember that. Did you have to to wait that long? Uh, I'm not sure how long it was, but it certainly didn't feel like that. But I have have seen that sort of atmosphere in other test centres and I have uh, noticed it, but not in not in where I took the test, luckily. But I, I think that's something to be really conscious of as a student that you might you may have to wait for an hour or more, and yeah. you you need to sort of uh, adopt strategies to calm yourself down. So maybe some deep breathing or meditation or just reciting songs or something in your head to keep yourself calm because you can't give in to that stress and that frustration and get off on the wrong foot yes, with yes. the test. So the first, yes, I, I think that's a really important piece of advice. How about the first? Or oh, let's talk about the order of the test because computer delivered IELTS and paper based are different, and I also think Australia's paper delivered test is different to around the world. What was the order of your test on paper? I was surprised by it actually. It was writing first, then reading, listening, and finally speaking. And that kind of surprised me. And it also meant to me immediately, if I finish the writing early, I've still got to sit in the room. I can't leave early. So by having the listening last, we all finished at the same time. But mm. yeah, so it was writing, reading, listening, speaking. Okay. And I I think that that was changed a few years ago. So that's the Australian order. Other countries, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, follow the order that I did on the computer, which was listening first, then uh, no, listening, then reading then writing and speaking afterwards. So did that throw you off a bit, expecting to start with something different? No. If it had been a a high-stakes test for me, it may well have. I I think that um, I was flexible enough because it's my first language, but if I'd been doing the test in another language, it may have caused panic. I don't know. Okay, let's talk about the reading test. Can you remember the topics first of all and maybe some of the question types that you got in that section yeah I can remember my topics I wrote them down as soon as I finished the exam actually the first one was on gold nuggets in Australia and I kind of knew a little bit about that already having gone to school in Australia it's the sort of thing you learn in primary school 
And there was another one about learning from nature and how um, our developments in technology, we can learn a lot from nature. Mm. And the, there was one um, which was a book review um, and it was a, about a book that had been, the topic of the book that was being reviewed was Cities of the World. And that was an interesting one because um, there were two perspectives in it. There was what did the original author say about this and there was what did the reviewer say about it. So I think it would have been easy to fall into the trap of answering the question from the wrong person's perspective. So that was quite, quite a, a tricky text, I thought, quite a mm. difficult one. Yeah, and quite uncommon. I think I think this is a bit of a new addition to IELTS reading. Um, in the more recent practice books from Cambridge, I have seen a review or two, but in the older tests, I think that text type wouldn't have appeared. So that's interesting to note. Um, my topics were drum roll, legumes, like beans. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I have... Done wow, a, <laughs> I've done a similar a similar reading on a practice test, and I remember I remember feeling like oh that that was actually quite interesting, and I thought yeah sort of thought the same this time. It's a very <laughs> fairly dull okay. topic, but there was yeah there was some good questions in there. And there was also my second reading was uh, about something to do with psychology, and there was a, a name that I recognised from other IELTS readings, Daniel. I think it's Kahneman, his surname. He seems yeah. to be an IELTS darling, appears in a few texts. And then the final reading was about Mars. And uh, so I think we covered quite a good spectrum of topics there. All the big I was quite guns. interested, actually. I, I've always known, um, theoretically, the first, test, uh, the first reading text should be easiest and then there's one a little bit harder and the last one should be much harder. And yet looking through the practice tests, they're not always like that, but in my test, they were most certainly in that order. First one easy, last one really hard, and the middle one, yeah, so-so. Yeah. Were yours like that as well? Uh, I'm not sure that I found them. I didn't really feel like they went in that order. I've also heard that, that it goes from easy to difficult, but I agree in the practice test, I feel like it varies and maybe it, it comes down a bit to your background, what you know about, what you're interested in and, and the text type. So I think there is usually a uh, kind of an argumentative piece or one written from a person's perspective. And some people tend to struggle with that a little more than the others. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't find a noticeable increase in difficulty. How about strategies? Was mm. there anything that you used or didn't use? Yeah, actually, I used the strategy that um, we teachers are always going on about when telling students what strategies to use. And to be honest, I don't always use it um, when I'm doing a test, partly because being a native speaker, I can read and understand quickly. I've got plenty of time. But this time I went in and I specifically used that strategy. And it was really good. <laughs> and the strategy basically is just look at the, the heading and any graphics just to get a quick idea, okay, it's about gold nuggets or it's about kangaroos or it's about the Titanic sinking, whatever it is, just, what, just a little bit of information, but then go straight to the questions. And I found that really valuable. So, for, for example, the first one was about nuggets and when I went through the questions, I realised that most of the questions were focused on um, particular nuggets, how big they were, when they were discovered, and so the... Um, organizational principle was the name of the nugget so then when I went through later and read the text I just immediately underlined 
the names of the nuggets and that meant I could then go to a question and quickly find where the answer was. Mm. And so we've been teaching a really good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really useful. And the last text as well, it was about people's names, you know, who said this was a professor such and such or a doctor such and such or you know, Mrs. Someone or other. And so I underlined the names and then I could very easily find the information in the text. And that helped me find, of the 40 questions, it helped me find probably close to half of them really quickly to find those answers. Mm. Yeah, I, I use a combination of strategies. That's certainly one of them. Um, I also, uh, I look at the question type. And so if I see a headings match or an information match type question, I I tell myself, okay, I've got to read everything because that type of question doesn't uh, reward skimming and scanning. It's more about careful reading. So when I see that type of question, um, I look at all the other questions and note the keywords. And then I go through paragraph by paragraph. So I start by reading paragraph A and choose a heading or choose a piece of information yeah. or two. And then at the same time, I see if I can answer the other questions like yes, no, not given or um, some other kind of classification. So eventually I've read the whole text, but I've read it only once and I've answered all the so questions. Are you saying that you're doing the questions out of order, that you're sort of doing the matching, it, but at the same time you keep an eye on the true, false, not given or whatever? Yeah, yeah. So if I have to read the paragraph to match the heading, I don't want to read it again to do the next set of questions. Yeah. So I try to just maximise my efficiency and I found that really useful. I also... I sometimes get in a bit of a fluster when I skip around a text. If I jump around scanning, mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. I end up frustrated and just read it anyway. So for me, that step-by-step yeah. um, -step strategy is quite effective. It doesn't work for everyone, yeah. but it's worth um, yeah. trying and something we recommend in our live classes quite a bit. Yeah, and I think it's a really good one too. I would agree with that. And that's the value, again, of reading through those questions first because you, you know what you're looking for. So when you see it, ah, I saw a question about that. And it's, yeah, I, I agree with that. But one, yeah, you reminded me actually talking about true, false, not given and matching. I got both of those question types and they're my least favourite question types. As soon as I see true, false, not given, my heart sinks or matching. Matching I just find boring. I can do it, but you have to be methodical. You have to go through it and really think carefully about it and be able to rule answers in and out. And true, false, not given. I always, always, always get stuck. Is it false? Is it not given? Is it false? Sometimes it's clear. Other times it's, yeah. well, logically it should be this, but I guess I'm second-guessing the person who wrote the question. What answer are they expecting? And so I get a little bit thrown by true, false, not given. I think they're evil questions. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a balance there, I think, between really thinking about the question and overthinking the question. You can, you can end yes. up going yes. around in circles. But I would recommend, Melinda, that you watch my video on True, False, Not Given on YouTube <laughs> before your next test. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> All right. So should yes. we talk about scores? What did you score in the reading? Well, this is really embarrassing because I know what you scored. <laughs> <laughs> I got 8.5 and I think that means I got um, 
at least two questions or is it just at least one question wrong? Yeah. It's, 38 would be an 8.5, 38 out of 40. Yeah, no, nobody knows for sure, but it's probably 38 yeah. or 39. So maybe it was just one um, true-false not given yeah. <laughs> through you. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was, yeah. So I figure I got one or two wrong, but yes, 8.5. Ah, okay, and I scored a perfect nine as you, <sighs> of course, as you would of expect. Course. <laughs> <laughs> after doing, yeah, after doing so many years of preparation, I was happy with that. All right. Let's go on to listening. Okay. Firstly, let me ask you about the logistics of that. You said you're in a room with about 200 people. How was the audio quality and were, were other people sniffing and rustling papers? Yeah, well, again, it's, we were, I thought we were treated like little, little children um, the, because we didn't have our own headsets. It was just the audio in the room and it was quite loud, a little bit too loud for me, but, hey, it's okay. It was in a, in a range that wasn't going to be deafening. Um, but the person, the invigilator basically said, is it too loud? Put your hand up if you think it's too loud. No one put their hands up. I said, put your hand up if you think it's... And then she did the same thing. Is it too quiet? No, I said, put your hand up if it's too quiet. And it's really? They, I figured they should have experience. They should have an idea of the volume. It's good to give us the opportunity to say I can't hear it, I guess, but... Yeah, it's just being treated like little, little children. <laughs> and that's just my frustration. And it's part of, uh, I guess, what you need to be prepared for if you're doing the pen and paper test. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, there was no distraction from other people. I mean, the questions begin and you're just focused on listening and reading, listening and reading. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess um, taking it on the computer is uh, less frustrating in that regard that you have um, the headset and you, you're able to adjust the volume as you wish. You can also adjust the size yeah. of the text on the screen. You could even adjust the colour of the text and the background on the screen. So, um, oh, Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite delightful. <laughs> yes. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, no distraction. So I, I really enjoyed taking it with yeah, the headphones. Nice. Um and um, yeah. actually, I spoke to. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just, I just thought of something. There was one guy that I spoke to before the test. He was a, an older gentleman, very nice, from Lithuania, and he had a hearing problem. And I noticed in the test he was sitting way on the other side of the room. But I noticed that he actually got an earphone and he got a headphone. Um, so, uh, if people do have a problem with hearing or if they're stressed about it, I think it's good at some point to notify the invigilators that you need assistance with that yeah that's a great point actually and in fact there if you're applying that would be a special consideration and if candidates um, do need to apply for that if you have hearing problems or uh, vision problems or learning difficulties something like that you you it's too late on the day actually so he would have organized that probably months in advance um they recommend booking i think it's two months in advance if you want to request special consideration so uh, i guess anyone listening who's thinking of that make sure you plan well in advance and find out what allowances can be made yeah definitely don't be shy actually do it if you need assistance you need you should ask for it Mm -hmm. yeah and when we talked after your test you said that you had uh raced ahead and wished you hadn't in the listening test? Yes, I did something really, I did a number of very foolish things in the test, but one of them (laughs) was in the listening, um, I think it was questions 20 to 25, somewhere in that part of the test. Um, It was just one section and uh, they'd gone through all of the 
there'd been discussion of all five questions, so I put in all five answers and I was bored, so I just turned the page and I was reading the next questions. As I was reading the next questions, I wasn't quite sure, but I thought that I heard them say, oh, no, no, not coffee, I mean tea. It's something like that where you think they give you an answer and then they change their mm. minds later, and I wasn't quite sure. And so I didn't know, should I change my answer, shouldn't I change my answer? But if I had been doing the right thing and listening and focusing, I would have caught it and I would definitely have had, had the right answer. I would have been confident. But I just lost a bit of confidence because did she say that or not? I don't know. <laughs> so the, the lesson there for me was don't race ahead, don't be cocky and overconfident, do what you're told when you're told. Mm, well, that's really interesting because I would actually often tell people to race ahead, to, so to check whenever you've uh, got a bit of extra time. Go to yes, the next section. Proviso. Yes, proviso that. When they finish the section, they say one of two things. You probably know when exactly, exactly they say it, but they either say now you have 30 seconds to check your answers or they say now you have 30 seconds to read the next five questions, whatever it is. And when they give an instruction like that, I think you've got a choice. You don't need to check your answers if you're confident. Just go ahead and read the next part. But you shouldn't be reading and listening at the same time. Uh -huh. That's what I was doing. And it was really silly. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, you're right. When they say check your answers, that's yeah. exactly what I would say is don't do that. Read ahead, yeah. turn to the next section. Yes. And on the computer, yeah. I was curious to see whether even if I was in section one, waiting for section one to start, was I able to click through and look at section four? Um, which mm -hmm. I was. So every chance I got, I, I moved particularly to section three and four, which are the more difficult ones. Um, I used those gaps in part one and two to just look oh, through the, okay. through and see what the topic was, what type of questions, particularly looking right. for multiple choice, which have so much text in them. Um, so, yeah, that, yeah I, I that's interesting. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, I found the listening fairly easy I must say there was but there was one question I think that I second guessed myself but otherwise I felt that I was very well prepared I knew exactly what to expect in part one two three four it always follows the same system which we cover just endlessly in our live classes um, and so there were no surprises and I think that would be a I think something for people to be aware of you for example you're always going to hear a lecture in part four it's almost always going to be a gap-filled type of question and it's a, an academic context. I think that kind of information is, is going to really help you out on test day. Yeah, I, I felt the same thing, that it went as expected and the only thing that didn't go right was me reading ahead and my score in that you're about to ask, so I'll tell you anyway, <laughs> 8.5 and it was probably because I made a mistake on that one question that I wasn't listening to probably. Mm, lesson so learned. You, yes, your score uh, was? <laughs> I got nine in that. Wow. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah and I, I felt <laughs> I was, yeah, as I said, there was one that I wasn't sure of, but everything else I was, I was certain about. And, um, yeah, the computer-based listening... I was a little anxious about because I'm a big note taker when I do practice tests I, and when I listen to anything, if, if it's important, I always take notes or write or at least draw a picture or something. So 
I was worried about being a passive listener, but you can highlight on the screen and you also get a pen and paper. So I, I felt like I was very engaged. Oh, okay. I wasn't just sitting looking at the screen as I was worried I might. I should say that about reading no, as well. Yeah. Okay, that, that's... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I should mention that about reading that uh, there's also the ability to highlight on the screen um, and take notes on the screen, which I found a real lifesaver. I could find my place really easily as I jump between questions and texts. So. so you could actually type in a, a scribble pad somewhere? Or yeah. How did that work? Yeah, there's a little option on the screen where you can open up a notepad um, and type. Mm-hmm. I didn't use that. I did write a bit of stuff on my piece of paper, but I was highlighting mm-hmm. all over the place. So you can highlight in the questions and in the text, and I used that um, that feature a lot really helped me. Yeah. It's really good for students to know that that's possible, that they can annotate, they can highlight and, and write notes. It's great. On to writing, the nemesis of I don't everyone. want to talk about <laughs> writing. Yeah. You did really well. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> yes, my score was okay, but I was very, very lucky to get that score. You think? <laughs> I, I did something really foolish. Oh, that's well, right. just technically, technically, I was lucky. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> should I tell the story? It's yeah. really embarrassing. Yeah, tell us about that. It's, a good, it's good for everyone to learn from your error. <laughs> right. Yes. What, a, what, a, what an error it was. Um, at the beginning, like writing was the first task, and I was bored and angry by the time that it started because we'd been waiting and waiting in silence, being treated like kids. Anyway, so the. Um, and I thought at one stage, I thought, oh, thank heavens, it's starting. Finally, we can get started. I'm ready. Let's go. And then she started giving instructions. And my eyes just, um, not literally, but virtually rolled in my head. I was like, come on, lady. She was going on about how the task one writing paper has a blue line across the top and it's got task one written on it. The task two writing paper has a red line. It's got task two written on it. So don't make the mistake of writing on the wrong paper. And I was thinking, oh. come on when can we start this thing and anyway we were able to start it we got started I wrote my task one paper I don't know in seven or eight minutes finished native speaker it's it's not I've got an unfair advantage obviously anyway finished my paper about to start the task two and I suddenly realized I'd written my task one paper essay on the task two paper so then I had to put my hand up and tell tell them what I'd done and where should I what should I do about my task two should I write that on the task one or should I write get another piece of paper and they told me to write it on the task one. I had to cross it off and label things and embarrassing. And it got even sillier because um, I needed another piece of paper. I filled both sides of my task two. I needed another one. So the two invigilators had to have a little conference about should they give me the red paper or the blue paper. And <laughs> I was sort of half amused by it and half, you know, half embarrassed. But anyway, this sort of went on. And then it was compounded at the end when they collected the papers because all of the red ones had to be collected together, all of the blue ones had to be collected together. It meant my task two went in the task one pile. Sorry, my task one went in the task two pile. My task one was split between task one and task two. And so then I was left thinking, how are they going to mark this? Is mm. this going to go, is the ta- person writing the task, marking the task one, are they going to get my task two paper, the person writing the task two, are they going to get half of each (laughs) and so I imagined I was going to get 4.5 for writing because of my silly mistake (laughs) so that's fairly stressful fairly embarrassing and partly amusing (laughs) I was able to laugh at myself 
You're like the most impatient IELTS candidate there ever was, I think. <laughs> I could be. I might just be that. <laughs> oh, it looks like so somebody must have um, fixed that up before it went to the examiners, I guess. I think they would have loaded it into the into a computer system because it gets sent off to uh, remote markers now. Right, yes. So I guess yes, yeah, somebody no, I, I was aware of that, yeah. <laughs> Yes, so somebody did the right thing and helped me get the mark that I must have earned. <laughs> mm, yeah, well, you scored very well. I think so. We ended up getting the same score, which was yeah. eight point five. Uh, but I must confess that I actually scored an eight, and then I sent it off for remarking because I was so furious and thought that I deserved a nine, of course. <laughs> um, but it came back as eight point five, so uh, that. That was good. I still would, would like most people, I would like to have a look at the criteria and see where the examiner disagreed with me. Um, but I think everybody, uh, J Jared's had the same experience when you're an English teacher, a test um, expert, I guess. You expect to get a certain score. Um, but, yes, yes. you know, it just yeah. happens in the writing and in the speaking. There is a little room for subjectivity, unfortunately, no matter how rigorous their standards are. But I think coming yeah. off that, um, now when people ask me about uh, challenging their score, particularly those who are on 6.5 and need 7 or 7.5 and need 8, I feel like if you can afford it, I would always take that option. I know so many people whose score has gone up, uh, including me, including Jared, several times his score, several times rather, his score has increased. So it's um, not it's not a good thing for a test to have to do that or to have to offer that, but it seems like that's definitely a very good option for people. So would you recommend that to everyone or just to people who... Um, think that they should have done better, that previously they've done better or their teacher, someone, they were expecting a certain score and they got below it or would you? Yeah, I think... I'd, for everyone? Or? Uh, no, not for everyone. You're right. I think if, you've, if you're just taking the test over and over and over and you're scoring the same thing, then, that's, then that is a good reflection of the test. It, it's giving you the score for a reason. But if you, let's say you did get 6.5 and then you did few months worth of work and you worked you know with a, a teacher um, and you got feedback on your writing and you've you felt like you've made improvements you know that you you're better than you were then in that case I, I would go for it mm. yeah but um it's yeah. it's not an yeah but and particularly if you've just missed your score by half a mark or something yeah. Like if you're just below what you need for immigration or entering a master's course, whatever it is, if you're just below and you think you should have scored higher. Exactly, yeah, 0. 0.5. It could be worth it. How, how does that, yeah, how does that work? You pay the money and if they, $140, I think? Uh, it's $107, maybe $176, something like that. Over $170. Oh, okay. And, Wow. And if they change your score, you get that refunded or you don't yeah. get it refunded? Yeah. If your score goes up, you get your money back. So, yeah, it was funny, actually, the day we, Jared and I had both challenged and we saw in the in our bank accounts that money had come back. <laughs> so we, we, okay, so we you knew, knew. <laughs> yeah, but we weren't sure how much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh -huh. So yeah. that was good. Um, we'll just talk quickly about the topic. So I had in my... Task one, a couple of line graphs talking about the 
past to the future, which is some almost exactly the topic that we have in one of our live classes, actually. Uh, yeah, so I felt, I just dealt with that in the same way as we, we teach in our um, classes and in our course materials. My task two was about job interviews, and it was a, an agree-disagree essay uh, about whether job interviews are a reliable judge of a person when they're applying for a position in a large company. How about you? Yeah, I had um, bar graph. The task one was bar graphs, two bar graphs, and there was a lot of information. So it was one of those ones where you just had to select a few things to talk about. So the first one was um, male and female students enrolled in science courses at a university comparing two different years, I don't know, 1970 to 2012, something like that. And then the second one was about the number of enrolments in three different science subjects. So there was a lot of information there. And it was one of those ones you couldn't possibly talk about everything. Mm -hmm. You just had to select a few things, a few key things, and work with those. Task two was reasonably straightforward. It was problem solution. Mm -hmm. It was talking about um, our increasing consumption of consumer goods and it, that's degrading the environment. And the question was um, why is that the case and what can we do about it? So it was a classic problem solution. It was quite easy to address in a fairly structured and methodical way. So I know you mentioned your trouble with the uh, the answer sheets, which one to write on. What about physically? Did you find it um, a strain to write, to hand write the amount that you had to? And also, did you count your words or were you conscious of your word count as you were writing? Yeah, yeah I did. And I literally count my, counted my words. One way is to sort of to count across and say there's eight words on a line and I've done 10 lines, therefore 80 words. But I actually went one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> all the way through. And after, when I, I got to the, the limit, then it was fine. When I sort of knew how many words I had on the page, it was fine. Mm. I guess that's it. Yeah, so I, I do literally count the words. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that's another benefit of the computer. There's a word count on the screen, which is such a huge oh, advantage. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can also copy and paste and you, so there's an hour ticking away on the screen, but you can swap between yeah. task one and task two. So I actually started with task two, which is what we advise people to do so that I didn't spend too long on task one and then um, yeah. came back to task one to within, tw I think, 20 minutes. Yeah, that was interesting. Like I could look around the room and see the other you know, 199 candidates and a lot of them did that. A lot of them actually did their task two, unless they all made the same mistake as me. <laughs> a lot of them started with their task two paper. Mm, yeah, I think, it was, I think it was good. I actually wasn't sure if I would uh, adopt that strategy, but I think it was, it was really good. It saves you from spending too much time on task one, which is very tempting once you get buried in it. Um, and let's finish with the speaking test, which is um, regardless of whether you're doing computer delivered or paper delivered, it's the same thing. It's still one-on-one -on -one with an examiner. Um, can you remember what your topics were? Yes, and they were all unusual. You know, I said earlier that I've been teaching it for a very long time. All of these topics were new to me, which is really interesting. Um, the, the part one, there are a few different topics. So they were talking about um, jobs. Um, and then they talked about a few questions about haircuts and hairdos and one about a few questions actually about jeans. And then the part two was about the night sky and the stars. I had to speak for two minutes about the night sky and the stars. 
Mm. And then the part three questions were related to that, of course. So it was stars and children's imagination and stars and their importance to people. Um, is their importance waning, re reducing in society? So they were all very different topics. They were quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, good, a good range. Uh, my one, so at the start of the part one of speaking always begins with either uh, what you do, work or study, or where you live. And I was asked about where I live and then questions about how I get to work. And the other set of questions was all about handwriting. And my part two and three were all about intelligence. So part one, oh, sorry, part two, I had to talk about someone I know who is intelligent. Uh, and so I just gathered all the most interesting information I could about a variety of people that I know and created a a mega mix of them. So it was probably, yeah, 50% made up and 50% real. And I tried to go through, use the PPF method. I talked about the past, I talked about the present and about the future, uh, including this one person. So the speaking, I, I found it, I actually felt quite nervous beforehand. <laughs> really? Yeah, I felt, yeah. I felt a bit silly. And having been an examiner, I know that it's yeah. it's awkward when you're interviewing a native speaker because often often the native speaker is overconfident and they don't produce enough language and so halfway through the interview sometimes yeah. I used to feel like oh god I wish this person had looked up a bit of um, information about the test like they're doing really badly because <laughs> you really can't score someone a nine on vocab and grammar if they don't produce a wide range yeah, so they have to they have to demonstrate it. Yeah, yes. exactly. So I was very conscious of that and giving very elaborate, um, extravagant answers, even to simple questions to try and uh, yeah. Yeah, boost my score up. Um, and I think we both did a good job in the speaking. Yes, yes. I can proudly say I got a nine for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. One strategy I think is really important, though, is to actually, um, in the two-minute turn, in the, the second part to actually take some notes you've got a minute to do it and you should write down some things just in case you go blank or I find it a really good strategy and I, I would encourage anyone to just write down a few different ideas if you get stuck you can say oh and another thing that reminds me of is and go off on a slightly different tangent mm -hmm. yeah I agree I wrote down I think I actually wrote down a few bits of vocabulary that I wanted to make sure I produced <laughs> or some expressions. Ah, really? Yeah, and I've, yeah. I've advised people to do that sometimes as well. If you've got a few pet words that you want to remember to include, part two is the place to do it because you've got that time to prepare for it, whereas part one and three you might not get the opportunity to, to use your big guns. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Right, but you do need to make sure that you're still relevant to the topic or oh, yeah, that you're not yeah. just using the words <laughs> for the word's sake. They need to fit in there. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's a bit of a danger as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess a word like uh, inevitable is a, is a word that you can kind of get into any uh -huh. situations. There are a few words like that, that there's power words. But it's yeah. inevitably an opportunity. Exactly, because you can always say, well, it's not inevitable, it's just possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the test overall, it seems like the computer-based experience was um, certainly seems like much less stressful. Uh, much less yelling was going on than what you experienced and what I've experienced in test centres. But having said that, each each test centre 
is different from each other and the invigilators have a different style. And so I guess what would you recommend to students, regardless of where they're preparing? What are, what are some of the takeaways from your exam? Well, my exam was um, what surprised me, I suppose, was my emotions going into it from being quite relaxed mm-hmm. to being agitated, irritated, annoyed, angry, embarrassed, amused, like just this range of emotions I went through. <laughs> and I hadn't really expected that. I kind of thought I'd be, hey, cool, calm all the way through the test. <laughs> Do you think that affected your performance? That's definitely why I lost my half, my <laughs> half uh, bands. <laughs> I probably didn't. But if it had been a, a high stakes test yeah. in, a, in something that wasn't my first language and I'd paid all that money for it, I think, yes, it could have. I, I could have really talked myself into a, a, you know, down into a spiral of... Um, this is hopeless, I'm going to do terribly at this. I I could easily have done that. And I suspect that some students do do that. Yeah, I think and, you know, that's... Instead of talking themselves up, they talk themselves (laughs) down. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, anxiety is going to come into it and stress and start thinking about what's riding on this test. And perhaps your experience of getting irritable is is a classic um, native speaker or expert speaker reaction where yeah. you, and often people feel like well why do I have to be here I know I know how to speak English but you know at the end of the day it's a box that has to be ticked for some people for migration yes. or professional yeah. registration and regardless of how annoying it is your, your job is to do your best on the day present your best language I guess and try to uh Keep that in mm. mind as you prepare for the test as well. It's not the it's not the best fun in the world taking a language test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The so. other thing is it, it will end. It's, you're not going to be sitting in that test for the rest of your life feeling <laughs> that. It, it's going to end. <laughs> and you can go walk out into the street and breathe fresh air afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it, a lot of the test preparation is really that mental game and to some extent also stamina, like sitting there for three-plus hours and concentrating. is. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I did that. I can barely read two pages of a book without checking my phone or turning on the TV. So part yeah, of preparation true. is um, training yourself to concentrate for big stretches of time. And I, f- I found really helpful was a lot of positive thinking. I think I told you when I was doing before the reading test, I tell myself, I'm so excited to read about legumes or whatever it is, or I can't wait to see what's on this test. (laughs) And I try to mentally trick myself. And same with the writing. I think to myself, this is exciting. What am I going to, what am I going to talk about or write about today? And also just sitting up and taking some big deep breaths was helpful because you can really find yourself in a funk (laughs) after an hour or two. Yes. Yeah, so you're kind of making a game of it and the alternative to making a game of it, the, the, the bad alternative, is to think my whole life depends on this. If I don't get the score I need, I'm not going to be able to immigrate to wherever I want to immigrate to. Everything rests on this. It's, I'm going to have to tell my family that I've failed again. If you go in with that mindset compared to the mindset you were talking about where this is fun, I'm going to enjoy this, it's... <laughs> I think it's going to affect your overall score, your overall outcome, your stamina, your ability to realise you've made a mistake. I think in speaking, for example, even if you've just said something silly, 
the strategy is to keep going, not to say, not to panic because you've made a mistake and, and really focus on that. Just keep going. Yeah. Do your best in the rest of it. Yeah. And I think that positive mindset also it comes from preparation. I'm sure everyone listening to this and, and our students at E2, they're, they're preparing, they're working hard now before the test. And the more preparation you do, yeah. the more that you can turn up to that test centre and you you know exactly what to expect on each part of the test, then the more confident, mm. the more relaxed you can be. If you arrive and you don't even know what's coming up in listening part three, for example, everything's yeah. a, a surprise, <laughs> not always a good one. So I think, yeah, preparation is key. The more that you can get under your belt in the lead up to your test. And, and as you said, just like the test is going to end, the test preparation is going to end as well. Eventually you get that score and you can go back to Netflix and playing on your yes. phone. But for a couple of months, you know, it's really worth the investment um, to get across the test and do as much practice as you can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. And there, there will come a day when you won't know what to do with yourself because you no longer have to study for that test. You've been there and done it. <laughs> you can always pop into our live classes and just, just hang out. <laughs> yeah, well, you could do that. Yes, <laughs> encourage a few other people. <laughs> uh, so do you have a verdict on IELTS versus PTE or perhaps that's for, for another podcast, another day? Well, I would say absolutely, PTE. However, I'm comparing PTE, which is computer-based, to pen and paper IELTS. I think my experience of PTE is probably more similar to your computer-based IELTS, although there was no aromatherapy and soft music <laughs> when, when I did PTE. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it made all the difference. I would recommend every test centre <laughs> to invest in that. Yeah. For those who are preparing for PTE, they can find you in the E2 PTE course. Is that right, Melinda? Yes, they'll find me there or they'll find evidence of my work because I've done a lot of the writing and, and design for that course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yes. Okay, and if you're preparing for IELTS, you'll probably catch me in our live classes or in our course materials as well. I would just back up what you were saying before, Alex, about making sure that if you're sitting the test in the next few months, you're spending a lot of your time online, probably at E2, make sure that you're doing the study, that you understand each part of that test and you know exactly what's coming up. That's going to be your best chance of doing well. Yep, great advice. And write your answer on the correct answer sheet. <laughs> <sighs> Sigh. <laughs> yes. Thank you for joining us, Melinda, and we'll see you again soon. A pleasure, Alex. Nice to chat. Bye. Thanks for listening to E2 Talks. Remember to check out e2language.com for IELTS courses and e2school.com for general English language learning. Thanks. <laughs>